Hello, hello, and welcome to The Fruitful Life with Andrea Thompson. Today's episode is going to be about being dead to sin and alive to God. I think it's really important that, important that we understand what salvation really looks like, what it is that Jesus Christ has asked of us to walk out. You know, in the Bible, it says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. I always wondered, why would why would we need to do that? But it's because we have been given so great a gift. It is definitely something to be revered, something to be valued, something to be understood. Because the natural response when you understand the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth in which God himself went to, to save you and to bring you back into proper alignment with him so that he could have fellowship with you in the here and now, but also have face-to-face fellowship with you in what is to come in eternity. The natural response is to lay down your life in return. Most of us were brought to salvation just saying, hey, Jesus died for you. You know, you should be happy about that. And you should be, that is true, as well as it's true that Jesus died for you. But most people, I'm fairly sure, don't really understand what salvation really is. Romans, the the letter to the church in Rome that Paul wrote is a very complex book. Paul, as a writer, was very, very wordy. So if you're new to the word, it can be a bit confusing. You really have to slow down when you're reading Paul's letters. Uh, You really should slow down altogether when reading the word. That was one of the first things that really helped me to begin to gain an understanding in the word of God, but specifically with Paul, because he jam packs a lot into one sentence or one paragraph. You really have to slow down. But we're going to start today in Romans 6 in verse 1, and it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, again, the position that we have been given, hallelujah, is in a place of grace. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. Thank you, Lord. But that is a position of great value. It is a position that we didn't earn. And according to Titus, it is a place where the power of God rests upon us, indwells us through the Holy Spirit in order to empower us to walk in holiness to walk rightly, to walk upright, as the word says, to keep our path firmly planted in the path of righteousness. So he's being facetious a little bit here by saying, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So this is likening how we are to walk in what it's called, what it's calling newness of life as the same level of power of the glory of the father in which raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This is why I said in one of my previous podcasts that it's really important that we understand uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we are to live from a place of a resurrected life, newness of life. Hallelujah. And baptism, if you've been baptized was a picture of that. You were buried with Christ and you were raised, hallelujah, to newness of life. Verse five, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this. Okay, this is something as a believer that you should know that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Let's put a pin in it right there because I remember the first time that this grabbed a hold of me. It said that the body of sin may be done away with. The body of sin is representative of its own entity. You can call it our fallen nature. You can call it the first Adam. You can call it a place of disobedience, but it is, it, it, the Bible likens it to its own entity for the purpose of symbolism in saying that when you became saved, when you turn toward Christ in repentance, the body of sin, the fallen human nature that we inherited through Adam and Eve's disobedience has been taken away. That is something we have to understand that is wrapped up in the free gift of salvation is that the body of sin has been done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. This is something that's really important, uh, a really important concept that we need to understand. The Bible says that you are a slave to whatever you obey. So the question is, are you obeying sin? Because if you are, then you are obeying the devil. If you are obeying righteousness, you are obeying Christ. Now, again, I'm talking about extremes here. This is not about nitpicking you down to, oh, well, you struggled with this for a little bit, but you walked it out with the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that want to stay engulfed and encompassed in sin. They're not bothered by it. They're not trying to change, but they profess Christ. This is not even against them. This is to say, you do not know the word of God. It says right here that the body of sin has been done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So that takes me back to if you are not free from willful, practiced, overwhelming, engulfing sin, then more than likely you didn't die. You didn't die to the things. You didn't understand the, the concept of what coming to the faith was, coming to Jesus was. Now it says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Hallelujah. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, that's current because again, Jesus is alive and he is at the right hand of the father interceding for you and for me. That's the revelation of the high priest that I taught on, on the Facebook page of the fruitful life. I did a live the other day teaching out of Hebrews and I talked about how we as believers need a revelation of the high priest. Okay, so we need to understand that he lives. But when he died, what was he dying to? He was dying to sin. Remember, the word says that he became sin. He didn't just take our sins upon him. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we, those he was saving, believers could become 
right, through a process of sanctification, positioned in grace, the empowerment and the power of God could become the righteousness of God. We're following in his footsteps. Hallelujah. But this says death has no dominion. We have to understand that previously in chapter five of Romans, it talks about how death entered into the scene. We were never created to die, y'all. We were created to live forever. Part of the curse was that we have to die a physical death. Hallelujah. But since we are saved, we will now get a glorified body in the end because God is just that good and gracious. But the way that he designed it was that we were not meant to die. It's why people in the Old Testament uh, lived for 900 and something years. It wasn't until the curse started to have its way that it went down to 120 at the most. Okay, like we, this was not God's to design for us. And the wages of sin is death. So when sin entered, death entered with it at the fall of Adam and Eve. And so it says right here, y'all, death no longer has dominion over him, which means that death no longer has dominion over us. If you skip to Revelation, the book of Revelation in the end of the word, it literally says death is the last thing to be fully conquered in the end and thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. And that we get to live eternally with our heavenly father and with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. It says he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. This is something, again, if we are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we are to literally follow in his footsteps. And part of the design of salvation and the process of maturing and sanctifying okay, that we go through as believers until the day we die and or until Jesus returns, y'all, is that we are dead to sin, alive to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It says, verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, okay? So your, your mortal body, do not present it as an instrument of unrighteousness or a slave to sin when it's been removed from you, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to skip over to real quick before I go to that in Romans four, I believe it's no, I'm not sorry, not four. It's Romans seven, verse 13 through 25. Um, just so that we can get this correct because I've heard people teach it differently, but I am just a firm believer based off of the context of this whole book that Paul is describing the bondage, okay, the bondage, the slavery, being enslaved to what the Bible calls indwelling sin. I'm not going to read that whole thing, but I know if you are just now beginning to read the word, it's going to be very confusing to you. But basically what he is saying is that he was in bondage as we all were. There was no getting out of it, guys, without Christ. 
it was a never ending cycle of, of slavery to sin that indwelled us, that even if he's basically saying in that, that even if something inside of you, who you really are, wants to do better, wants to not do this particular thing, wants to not succumb to this particular thing, you still end up doing it anyways, because there's something working against you. And it was indwelling sin. It was slavery to sin. It was the dominion of sin and death. And so he's painting a picture of what it was like to be in that bondage. And then at the end, he was like, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? But then he says, hallelujah, that Jesus Christ has come. And I'm paraphrasing, but where he lands was to say, Jesus Christ has set us free from indwelling sin. Again, that does not mean that sin is not still in the earth because it obviously is. It does not mean that there will not still be things that will present themselves to you for you to take part of, for you to grab a hold of, for you to participate in, because the devil is going to try and test you and tempt you until the day you die because he wants to bring you back into bondage. But in the word in here in Romans, it also says we are not going back. We don't go back to the slavery that we have been delivered from. So I think many people don't have this understanding. They, they, they don't have the understanding that we were set free from that thing. Why on earth would you go back into it? Why, why would you go back into that bondage to that, to that torment? I mean, because it literally is bondage and there was no freedom outside of Christ. There still is no freedom outside of Christ. Hallelujah. But I wanted you to understand that because we have been freed from indwelling sin. It's no longer tormenting us from the inside and it does not have dominion over us. Now, I just want to put a little disclaimer out there that if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ and you are wholeheartedly struggling with some sort of sin that you cannot get loose from, but you're convicted of it, you don't want it, you are practically begging God to get rid of it, then you more than likely have a demon and you need deliverance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's a whole other subject without which I won't get into, but I'm just saying Jesus Christ also came to set the captives free from devils, from devils that have had their way through generational curses and, 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 and sin and, and things that we've opened doors to. Okay. So that's a whole other subject, but I just want to let you know, we are free from indwelling sin. The next part I want you to go to is Ephesians four verse 17. And it says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Gentiles in this particular context is referring to paganism, the way that they walked in their culture, those who were not saved, those who were not of the Lord, those who were not in the church. We're in a culture that is full of paganism. Okay, and it says you should no longer walk as they walk. And then he's going to describe what that's like, y'all. This is how we walked. It's important that we understand too, so that we can understand the grave value of salvation. It's important that you understand where you were and who you were without Christ, before Christ. Okay. It doesn't matter what level of sin you were in, whether you were 
you know, robbing people, killing people, whether it's that level of sin in the way that we would naturally look at it, or whether you just stole a piece of bubble gum from this store, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's all wrapped in darkness. It all originates with Satan. It's all in disobedience to God. And it all carries a righteous judgment of the wrath of God without Christ. Like, I want you to hear me. We were depraved. We were without hope. We were in utter darkness, y'all, without Christ. And we need to understand that so that we can begin truly valuing what Christ has done for us and walk away from every bit of the works of the devil that he came to destroy in our life. Hallelujah. So it says, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Y'all, we were literally alienated from the life source that created us. There is no life. I don't care how good it looks in this world, whether it's riches, fame, whatever. There is no life and life abundantly without the Lord. He is the only life source. He is the fountain of living water, the bread of life. There is no life outside of him. And we were completely alienated from the source of true life before salvation. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, y'all, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Here we go. That you put off concerning your former conduct, pre-salvation, y'all, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. There it is right there. That is what we are to do. Put off the old things and put on the new. We are now partakers of divine nature, partakers of the heavenly realm, partakers of the spirit. Hallelujah. It's why 1 John draws such a hard line when it says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And he said, you lie to yourself if you tell yourself that you can have fellowship with darkness and also have fellowship with God who is light. It's not possible. It's not possible, y'all. We don't have to be perfect, thank the Lord, uh, as we're being sanctified and growing in the things of the Lord, because we stand in perfection in Christ. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land there in in Hebrews, but we have to understand something. And I'm gonna get into this real quick. So we have a place now that we're saved. We have a place that we live from, and we have a place that we live in. Okay, the place that we live from is even more important than the place than the place we live in. Okay? So we live from the heavenly realm, but we live in the earthly realm. We live from the spirit, but here we are still in a fleshly body, which is still technically corrupted. Okay, until we get glorified bodies. God can do nothing with these bodies, okay? That's why we have to get whole new glorified bodies. Hallelujah. 
Okay, we have a position in which we've been given in Christ. It's all over Ephesians. It says we are in him. Our our lives are hidden in him. Thank you, Lord. God has literally through the cross, through the resurrection. So the death, burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has given us a position in Christ, clothed in his righteousness, standing before the throne of heaven, blameless and holy and perfected in all of the things that is Christ. When God sees us, he sees Christ because we've been clothed in Christ. We have partaken of Christ and his nature. And now we work out our salvation in fear and trembling, allowing him to purify us and renew us and wash us with the water of the word. And we are walking out a um, journey of sanctification and maturing in the things of God unto holiness. But that is something that we have to understand as Christians. We have a dual reality. They're connected, they're interconnected, but we have a dual reality until the finality of everything where this, this world is passed away and new things come, a new heaven and a new earth, hallelujah. Until then, we have a dual reality that we that we have to live from. And yes, there's a day-to-day battle and tension against such things. There's a lot of tension between what we know to be true, what we live from, and what we see with our natural eyes in this world getting darker and darker and darker, right? And it's it's not an easy, it's not an easy walk. But what's beautiful, y'all, is the Bible says that the word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. It is what guides us, y'all. It is what helps us keep our feet firmly planted in paths of righteousness. It is what teaches us how to follow Jesus how to be conformed to the image of Christ from glory to glory. Thank you, Lord. But just know that we have a position we are living from and a position we live in. Okay. And I'll talk more about that at another time. All right. We're about 22 minutes in. Hallelujah. And I'm almost done. I'm going to land. I'm going to land in Hebrews. Let's see here. I'm going to start. I think this is where I want to be. Yeah, I think this is, I'm going to start in verse 20 of chapter seven. And it says, and inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, talking about Jesus Christ. So a lot of Hebrews was talking to, to Jewish people in the church. Um, so there's a lot of it that is helping them to connect the dots between what they grew up knowing of the Torah, what they grew up knowing of Moses, what they grew up knowing of the priesthood and the tabernacle and so on and so forth, and connecting that for them in revelation with what Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of. But there is so much for us to glean from this as well. Again, the revelation of the high priest and what that means for us. Thank you, Lord. And so it says, and inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent that you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Hallelujah. Therefore, I want you to get this verse. He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, 
since he always lives to make intercession for them. So there it is right there. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once and for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Hallelujah. And I think I went to the wrong place. And since we're running out of time, my, my point here is, was that one verse, verse 25, that says that he is able to save to the utter, uttermost, to the innermost being down to the conscience, y'all, which is what the old way of doing things, the old covenant could not do. It could only do the outside of us. It could not go inward. It could not fix the conscience of a man. Um, and hallelujah, Jesus tore the veil so that he could get to our conscience. So we no longer have to live from a place of even focusing on sin because he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. Hallelujah. So I'm going to land there, y'all. I pray that this blessed you. I really do. I pray that, you know, the Lord gives you whatever he intended to give you through this word today. I just go with what he tells me and pray that it goes out and does not return void. Hallelujah. So I bless you guys. Um, this will be the last podcast I'll do for this weekend, but there will be more to come next week. I'm really excited. Be looking forward to that. Again, please share, share, share. I really, really appreciate if you'd send these to anyone you think that they will be helpful to. Again, I have a Facebook page under The Fruitful Life. I'm working on uh, a YouTube channel um, that I'll be streaming through Restream to go to Facebook Live as well as to YouTube. So I'm working on that. But the podcast is on Buzzsprout. It's also on Spotify and Apple. So, you know, and um, you can find if you want to sew, you can find that under the description at the bottom. So thank y'all again so much for tuning in and I pray that you have a blessed weekend.